Welcome to the kitchen table. Yes, this is Arctic Eric, and you are here with me at the kitchen table as we enter into part 12 together in faith in Christ always. Thank you for joining me. I know there are many other things you could do with these minutes, but I really appreciate you spending them with me. Okay, we've been looking, as I said, at faith in Christ always, and we've mentioned numerous times, and I want to repeat it one more time, that it is possible to believe. It is possible to have faith. How? Because God wants to help us to have faith. And how does he do that? He does it according to the words of the Apostle Paul in Romans chapter 10, verse 17, where he tells us that faith comes, the ability to believe comes as we hear the message, the word, the scriptures regarding Jesus Christ, as God reveals his son to us and himself through scripture. So may faith arise in our hearts today as we hear the word of God. Okay, let's go here with John chapter 10, verse 38. Jesus is speaking and he says, Though you do not believe in me, believe the works that you may know and believe that the Father is in me and I in him. In John 12, Then Jesus cried out and said, He who believes in me believes not in me, but in him who sent me. And he who sees me sees him who sent me. And in John 14, Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father in me, or else believe me for the sake of the works themselves. Believe me for the sake of of the works themselves. Let's look at that in context here in John chapter 14 verses, let's see here, 7 through 12. If you had known me, if you had learned to recognize me, you would have also known my father. From now on, you know him and have seen him. Philip said to him, Lord, show us the father. Help us, cause us, make us to see the Father. That's all we're asking. Then we'll be satisfied. Jesus replied, Have I been with all of you for so long a time? And do you not recognize and know me yet, Philip? Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say then, show us the Father? Do you not believe that I'm in the Father and the Father is in me? What I'm telling you, I do not say on my own authority and of my own accord. But the Father who lives continually in me does his works, his miracle, his deeds of power. Believe me that I'm in the Father and the Father in me, or else believe me for the sake of the very works themselves. If you cannot trust me, at least let these works that I do in my Father's name convince you. I assure you, most solemnly I tell you, if anyone steadfastly believes in me, he will be able to do the things that I do, and he will do even greater things than these because I go to the Father. 
All right, as a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ, we follow him, and we also do things the same way he does. And what does he say? Why is it so important that they would see the works and believe? Because Jesus declares so clearly and so humbly and yet boldly that it is the Father in him who does his works. And it is the Father in us through the indwelling person of the Holy Spirit who does the works. It isn't our effort. It isn't our trying to build faith. No, it is a faithful Father who lives on the inside of us, who continually does his works, the miracle works, the new birth, miracles, deeds of power. How? By the presence of the person of the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God on the inside of us. And so it's God in us who will do these greater things that we might experience and witness and testify about the greater things that God is and has done through us with a hope of what he will do in the future. I find that to be just fantastic to say the least. I hope you do also. It's the Father in you who does those works, those eternal works, because eternity is in us. The eternal one is in us. The eternal life, Christ himself, is in us through faith in him. Okay, let's move on here. In Luke eight twelve, those by the wayside are the ones who hear and then the slanderer comes and takes away the word out of their hearts, lest they should believe and be saved. Those on the wayside, listen, the slanderer, he is the one who is a liar, and he is the one who works hard to hinder everyone from believing, not just initially for salvation, but believing moment by moment, day by day, in a lifestyle of faith in God. And this liar, he does but one thing in this case. He denies that Jesus Christ is the Savior, the Deliverer, the Healer. Let's not listen to the slanderer. But what else is going on here? Well, listen. The one on the wayside, the one on the edge, is not mixing what is heard with faith. There's a lack of a willingness to acknowledge and believe. Let's not be that way, but let's, let's look at this another way. Maybe this first group, this verse, is referring to this first group in the parable of the sower here, and we know that the sower sows the seed, and that the seed is the Word of God. And in this first group, we can see that there's a battle that comes when the kingdom is preached. That God's and Satan's, or the slanderer's desires, are different. The slanderer's goal is to prevent belief. He wants to hinder us from believing. So the slanderer takes the Word in order that they may not believe and be saved. But I think there's more to it here. 
that this isn't just a moment-by-moment picture about how we listen to the Word, the seed is the Word, but I think it might picture how do we respond throughout our life to the Word of God. The parable is designed to produce reflection, I believe, on one question. What single type of response to the Word have I given? Jesus may well be explaining why the Word is received in a variety of ways. He notes that many obstacles prevent fruit-bearing, while faithful, patient, open reception produces fruit. Remember that the seed is the Word of God. And we can stress the fact that the seed represents the Word of God because the Christian message proclaimed by Jesus and the early church is not merely the words of men. Men are required to believe this Word in order to be saved, and those who fail to believe or do not persist in belief are lost. Okay, let's move on now. I have another verse here in uh, part 12 where I have labeled all of these verses under the category of uncategorized. The other 11 uh, times we sat here at the table, they were categorized uh, specifically. But this is uh, kind of tying up the wonderful loose ends, if you may. In Acts 14.23, it says, So when they appointed elders in every church, they prayed with fasting and commended them to the Lord in whom they had believed. The only thing that, that came up as I was praying and preparing today was that it is so important that Christian leadership, in fact, be Christ's that they not just believe in God or adhere to a creed or are elected to a position, but that in fact it says here, they commended them to the Lord in whom they had believed, that that individual be a true believer, and that for those of you who are considering leadership or are, are in leadership, I just want to encourage you to go to Titus chapter 1 and 1 Peter chapter 5 and take a look at the requirements for leadership. I think it's important for each of us. That's all I really want to say about that. It isn't going to be a teaching on eldership or leadership or deaconship. That's it. Let's move on to Acts 15, 9. And made no distinction between us and them, purifying their hearts by faith. You know, I think God's tired of distinctions between us and them. I think he wants us to remember that if someone has been purified in their heart by faith, then we are brothers and sisters in Christ through faith in Jesus Christ, born again children of God. But let's look at this. It says purifying their hearts by faith. Let's look at the pure in heart. What do we read in Matthew chapter 5, verse 8, about the pure in heart? It says, Blessed, happy, enviably fortunate, and spiritually prosperous, possessing the happiness produced by the experience of God's favor, and especially conditioned by the revelation of his grace, regardless of their outward conditions. Those are the pure in heart, 
for they shall see God. Listen, we want to see him. Of course, we see him when we see Jesus. But we also want to see him in a greater fullness that the Father is a good Father. A gracious Father. A generous Father. And that's why in his goodness, his greatness, his generousness, and in his love, he sent Jesus Christ for all who are willing to believe. Listen, we need to walk in God's favor. And we do that as he purifies our heart, as he cleanses our heart, as he washes us in the word. Then we can declare, because we in fact walk in his favor, that we're blessed and happy and fortunate, spiritually prosperous, that we're possessing a happiness that is produced by experiencing God's favor. Let's experience God's favor. How do we do it? Well, we open ourselves up to the Word of God, which is the will of God, and we submit ourselves to the Word of God, to the will of God, and to the God of the Bible, and we say, let your good will be done. Produce this in my life. Open my eyes to see where you have favored me, and help me to walk in an expectation of favor with you, God, and with man, and condition me by the revelation of your grace. And for the believer, grace is this. God's power, God's strength, God's ability to do, to work, and to complete everything he begins. And he has begun a good work in you by grace, and he wants to see it to its completion. So walk with him by faith. Those are the pure in heart. They will see God. Okay, I've got three verses here that I want to put together at the close of this part 12 of Faith in Christ Always. Again, thanks for joining me here at the kitchen table. In Acts 20, 21, testifying to Jews and also Greeks, what was being testified? Repentance toward God and faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ. Acts 26, 18, to open their eyes in order to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God, that they might receive forgiveness of sins and an inheritance among those who are satisfied by faith in Jesus. 1 Timothy 3.16 And without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifested in the flesh, justified in the Spirit, seen by angels, preached among the Gentiles, believed on in the world, and received up in glory. You know, there is no other way. It's repentance and faith. Why? So that our eyes can be open to see and that we can be transformed from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light, into the kingdom of the dear son, where we are torn from the power of Satan and enter into God himself by his spirit, putting in us the same power that raised Christ Jesus from the dead so that we can walk in the newness of life by the spirit, not by our efforts, but by the spirit and go into this incredible inheritance that is for all who are sanctified 
separated unto God by faith in Jesus Christ. Yes, God's desire is the world believe not only that there is a God, but that God sent his only begotten Son that whosoever shall believe in him will be saved. Not condemned. Convicted, yes, but not condemned. Convicted of sin, but not condemned. There is no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. I encourage you to live your life in Christ Jesus. He'll help you. He sent the helper to you the moment you capitulated and believed. Okay, I reckon that's about it for today. Looking forward to the next time we meet. And may God's grace and favor and mercy be more and more rich and real in your life today. God bless you. Good day.